I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello, and welcome to All Things Policy. I'm your host, Sri Krishna Upadhyaya. And my guest today on the show is Bharat Reddy, my colleague at Takshashila. Welcome to All Things Policy, Bharat. Thanks, Sri. Great to be here. So today, Bharat and I are going to be talking about Reserve Bank of India's e-mandate restrictions upon card companies and banks. These restrictions essentially came into force from October first of two thousand twenty-one. What do these payment restrictions mean? In case any merchant has to process card not present transactions also called cnp transactions where essentially you're using your credit card or a debit card to make an online purchase or you need to undergo two factor authentication so the e mandate notification requires that recurring payments can be carried out only and only after a registration has been done using otp for the first instance and the first transaction has also been completed using a otp and later on from the second transaction onwards recurring payment can proceed seamlessly by means of auto debit however these restrictions have been causing a lot of issues and especially with international payments so bharat would you like to talk a little bit about the issues that customers merchants businesses are facing due to these uh, payment restrictions imposed by rbi and maybe begin by talking about why this mandate came into force in the first place so when you talk about problems are being faced with international payments so all of the other problems have kind of been sorted out after a couple of months of this uh, regulation coming into effect but international payments is something that's still not working seamlessly so now imagine that uh, you're trying to subscribe to something on an international platform say it could be an app it could be say a news portal or a vpn service something like that and you need to pay for it using a recurring subscription and you use your indian credit card or debit card and most likely it will be rejected now so this is because of the requirements that rbi has put that it needs to be compliant with this framework where you need to send a notification to the user 24 hours before or uh, if the payment is larger than 5000 rupees then you need to threshold has been raised to 15000 but if it is greater than that threshold then you need an otp every time you make that recurring transaction so now a lot of the international merchants are not compliant with these regulations now so one way to get around this is to say if that service has an app then you install that app and uh, but then you'll be you're very likely to pay a 30% markup because there's a commission that google or apple charge for in-app payments the other alternative could be to mail these uh, vendors every time every month and ask them for a one time payment link that you can use to complete that transaction now so this is obviously a very big overhead and uh, most people would not prefer you know engage in this kind of a transaction every month now it's been one and a half years since this has in- been introduced now during the first few months even the domestic transactions had a lot of problems so you you were seeing payments failing for a lot of uh, businesses for a lot of subscriptions small businesses were really hurt and this has been like but all of those have been sorted at the domestic level it's still the international ones which are not working now when you look at why this was introduced in the first place for most subscriptions you would have noticed that 
the enrollment process is really simple. You just enter your your uh, personal information, you enter your card details, and you have access to it. It's you are able to access the service and all of that. Now, but when you need to unsubscribe yourself, so you'll see that there's no unsubscribe button in most cases. You'll have to send a mail to some to them asking them to uh, stop terminate the subscription and. It's not a very straightforward process and it's been deliberately made complicated so that people subscribe to something and they remain subscribed forever, right? And you also might have experienced that there's a free trial for a month which some service offers. Now, this free trial, you're asked to provide your credit card details and all that and you were told that it's a free trial and you will not be charged. But at the end of that trial, a lot of people might forget to unsubscribe from the service and then every month there'll be a recurring uh, payment that will be going on unless you uh, realize that this is happening and you go and unsubscribe from that service. Now, this kind of a thing has been a, a concern that has been raised by a lot of people and RBI's intention was to help customers, you know, keep track of their subscriptions, uh, notify them of these transactions that are happening, recurring transactions whenever they happen and to exit unwanted ones. Now, so even though these intentions might have been good, so the impact of these regulations, it's a mixed bag. So you see that there's been a lot of pain that's come for a lot of different stakeholders in this entire value chain, right? So now this value chain starts from the customers who are purchasing something. And then you have the banks who are facilitating that transaction through the credit cards. Then you have mandate processing platforms, which were built after the RBI regulations were introduced. So these basically are were made in charge of sending these notifications to the users and uh, reminding them of uh, when these payments are due. And then you have the payment aggregators and then the merchants. So in this entire value chain, all of them need to align with these regulations. And this coordination between all of them has not been a very seamless process. So there was a long period of time between when all these banks and payment aggregators and uh, these mandate processing platforms have all not uh, compliant and so a lot of payments were failing and this disrupted uh, businesses it it's an overhead for consumers so a lot of different um, fallout of these regulations being introduced right so just to add a little bit to the background that you described and also sort of recap what you said so essentially rbi found that you know you should have an additional layer of security and validation before processing any transaction. And this had to come from information which was not present on the card itself, right? Like it, your CVV number or card number. Other than that, so the idea of OTP was introduced. And of course, initially, the companies had to adjust to this regime. And now, as you mentioned, things have smoothened out, but problems persist. And RBI has also sort of understood this and has increased uh, the limit for OTP uh, every month OTP from 5,000 to 15,000. So that has been a development. And additionally, I think now e-mandates are also allowed for UPI-based transactions, uh, but they have to undergo a similar process of registration using your two-factor authentication and a first transaction where also you require an OTP. And from the second transaction onwards, uh, the process is automatic. Now, the question essentially is when you mention that, you know, from a security perspective, I get it, right? Like OTP has a certain value. But when you say that the intention was also that, you know, to protect consumers from making bad choices, like for example, I subscribe to something and I forget to unsubscribe later on and I lose save 200 bucks every month. I mean, that's personally my fault, right? In the sense, like, I don't know why the regulator is so interested in overhauling the whole system just to protect me from making those 
decisions in the sense that you know this overprotectiveness this overzealousness can cause problems like you have uh, mentioned and the other thing also is that you know a lot of uh, businesses which were relying on subscription revenue i think you mentioned that they have had a hard uh, impact uh, because it's again a behavioral thing right i might out of my altruism want to uh, make a monthly donation of 500 rupees to certain uh, charity or an establishment that i want to donate to and i suddenly find that you know, have to make this every month i have to put in a otp and make a particular transaction happen now that creates a lot of friction and it's human behavior right if if i'm asked to take additional workload to make this happen i might end up not doing it so i think that is one of the impact so just uh, getting a little deeper into the impact bharat so how has it sort of impacted different stakeholders here like of course from the example that i gave of uh, donations how have other uh, subscription based businesses felt and how have like international businesses or service providers responded to this kind of uh, restrictions so yeah like you mentioned the biggest impact has been on you know small enterprises which depend on revenue from subscriptions or donations for their day to day or monthly operations right now there were instances when for example subscription driven platforms i know of a couple of platforms that vocal about uh, raising uh, this issue that their revenues had dwindled to next to nothing so for example internet freedom foundation had raised this uh, as an issue when suddenly their subscriptions had you know fallen drastically when when these regulations kicked into effect news laundry which is another subscription based uh, news platform was one more which was also raising this concern that suddenly they saw the revenue from subscription falling drastically so these kind of subscriber driven platforms and which are small and uh, you know they they were the m- most severely hit even the bigger ones which uh, like uh, your ott platforms or uh, news organizations or cloud services so all of these were also uh, impacted so you you would see that a netflix or a new york times or any of these things which uh, have a monthly subscription model all of them would have to comply with these regulations in order to be able to continue their uh, the payments uh, i mean to make sure that the payments are working um, so that was the biggest impact for the businesses now when it comes to the other side for the customers also there was a significant overhead so customers had to manually make these transactions which were automatically being done till date even for a small organization like takshila we would have subscribed to uh, say a number of newsletters or uh, software services or n number of things right so every month there someone has to manually make these payments and see that you know it's this these payments are done regularly and it has to be kept track of otherwise you know your functioning will be, get disrupted things will come to a standstill right so for individuals for uh, small organizations this overhead is something that has kind of added a lot of uh, a burden and even from the businesses you, you this additional burden of manually processing transactions which were being done automatically is something that uh, adds to you know the overheads for a lean organization because someone has to prepare the invoices see that the transaction is done follow up with the customers all of these things have to be done so these are problems that were faced by the consumers and the businesses you also see that for a lot of indians who are subscribing to international content or services it's just your cards are not being accepted now 
Um, so, for example, New York Times has this uh, put up a notice which says that uh, regarding a lot of complaints about uh, declined payments, they have put up a notice which says that you need to use a valid US card to make the payments. So now I don't know how many uh, <laughs> Indian subscribers have a US credit card, right? It's a lot of uh, different kind of uh, hurdles being faced by all different kinds of stakeholders. Now, even for to implement these things, now banks had to be compliant with uh, um, with uh, these mandate processing platforms now, which were implemented by the payment aggregators. For example, you have uh, Billdesk and uh, Razorpay, which were some of the larger payment aggregators. Now, each of these had implemented a mandate processing software or a platform. Now, this kind of a software now had to be compliant with all of the banks that the payments would come from. And only then would the mandate get triggered for that bank, right? I mean, would the notification get triggered for that bank? So a lot of complications that have come about um, because of uh, having to implement uh, this thing. So And it's across stakeholders. Like everybody has had some kind of uh, friction which has come about because of this. Right. Uh, and like you rightly mentioned, I mean, one can't be expected to have an American card just to purchase services from an American company, right? I mean, that's too much to expect. Plus, also, I think the fundamental problem is uh, access to my money, right? In the sense that, you know, once I have a certain amount of money in my account or I'm using a credit card or service, then I should be allowed to use it freely like I please. And there should not be any disruptions of this kind brought in by regulatory actions, which impedes my access to my funds. So having said that, let's uh, pause for a short break here, Bharat, and then we'll come back and continue this conversation on how things could have panned out differently. Welcome back to All Things Policy. Uh, we are in conversation about the RBI's mandate for recurring payments, which has created a havoc the payment system all the things have uh, smoothened down a little after you know year or so has passed however there are still important policy questions that we need to address in this situation and first of all is you know what were the alternatives that rbi could have uh, adopted in order to solve this particular problem because like i think bharat mentioned at the beginning of the conversation uh, the fact is all service subscriptions make it incredibly hard for customers to back out once they have opted in, right? I mean, if anybody uh, who has uh, ever tried to stop a credit card or even opt out of a credit card, know how difficult it is. And most other online subscriptions also today have deliberately increased the friction so that customers find it hard to opt out. I mean, these are very real problems. But of course, you could have solved this through other sort of approaches which need not have uh, put the whole system through a very pressing time. So Bharat, what are some of these alternatives that RBI could have looked at? How could the intervention have been different with sort of protected an individual's right to use the money as they please and also inform them in a better way about what was going on plus created, you know, less uh, disruption within the system? So one of the, before we get into what could have been the interventions, that alternative intervention that would have been better, a lot of people have questioned whether this was RBI's fight at all to start with, right? So this was, you know, lopsided buyer-seller relationship, which is a consumer protection problem, as Andy Mukherjee says. So a central bank's job is to provide a well-oiled payment system, which safeguards the integrity of the financial network from money launderers, terrorists, and so on. Now, RBI should not be going after a Netflix or a New York Times or, uh, you know, going after these kind of uh, things in the first place. So whether this kind of consumer protection 
problem is something that RBI should be tackling at all is one question that's being uh, asked a lot uh, that ha- was being raised at the time this came into effect. Uh, now, if you keep that aside, now when something like this is being discussed, so now there were a few problems like we discussed, right? So, but it was working for most people. Now, when you're going to propose such a drastic change, it's very important that you hold open consultations and invite comments from all the stakeholders. For example, TRI or the Telecom Regulatory Authority of India has a lot of these kind of practices in place. So they publish white papers, they invite comments from all the different stakeholders and they take in these comments and uh, incorporate them into the recommendations that they propose. Now, RBA could have a similar process in place where they do these kind of things, engage with the stakeholders so that they can better understand what could be the consequences of bringing such regulation. And it's it's really difficult, right, for a central bank to, what are the different ways in which different users use some kind of service. Now, when different people are subscribing to different kinds of services, they're using it in different ways. One kind of a regulation might not fit everybody. And also when something drastic like this is introduced, now the costs will be concentrated on a certain individuals or businesses. And for them, it will really be a very significant hit. So one thing is a process thing that they need to hold more open consultations and uh, comments from stakeholders. Another thing would be now, now that all of this has been implemented to a large extent, but it's very unlikely that the international merchants, you know, who have a very limited Indian customer base will change their whole infrastructure to comply with the regulations imposed by RBI. Now, for them, the number of Indian customers might be a small subset of their entire customer base. But for the sake of these customers, will they really go and uh, implement this kind of a, a change in infrastructure? It's very unlikely. So maybe there is something that's some kind of an exemption that needs to be granted so that these kind of transactions can go through, given the that we've already put this thing in place and... Uh, have all of these things but these kind of international transactions are still failing every time so maybe there's some exemption that needs to be granted to foreign international payments so right. these these are the few of the recommendations i can i mean i can think of I mean, yeah just to add on to that i also felt a couple of things would help i think some of it is already a part of the system that rbs in and which is you know i don't have a problem with an sms alerting me each time some debit has taken place on my account i think that's a good enough nudge for customers to keep an eye on the financial transactions which are being carried on their particular accounts, right? That way, customers can keep a check on what money is being flowing out. And of course, you have your credit card statements, your bank statements, which one is expected to take a look, you know, every monthly or whenever one gets time. And the other thing is, I think RBI is planning to do this, or I don't know if this has already been effectuated, is that, you know, on your banking app or your banking portal, one can easily take a look at all the recurring subscriptions which have been registered on your particular account and you get to control it from there. I think this is something which RBI has already uh, asked banks to uh, work on or has already asked them to implement. But I think this was a sufficient and a necessary measure, right? So that at one place you can check, oh, okay, these are the 10 different services I've subscribed to and this is the amount that is going to be debited every month. And maybe I get the opportunity to switch on and off these payments from there instead of having to go to a particular service provider and try to disable the service from there and keeping a track of all these 10 different websites and apps. Instead, if I had a single bank list on a banking platform, say a mobile app which you use, I think that would make my life way more easier. Right. Yeah, completely agree. I don't know if this uh, is in the process, but yeah, this 
is something that would really help. This is actually how a lot of the subscriptions on your phone work. Say your App Store or Play Store that you have uh, on your phone. So those kind of uh, thing already have this in place. So you'll be able to see all of the subscriptions on your uh, phone. You can enable or disable when these payments happen. And uh, yeah, so a consolidated list of subscriptions on your uh, banking uh, portal would really help. Right. So thanks for this conversation, Bharat. Uh, if you have any closing comments, please go ahead. Otherwise, uh, we can close for this episode. Nothing. I would just like to see that, uh, you know, uh, I don't have to pay these <laughs> this additional 30% commission to these big platforms. So you see CCI trying to enforce a lot of uh, antitrust regulation against these platforms saying that they're charging too high commission. And on the other hand, we're being forced into these platforms. We're being forced to pay these kind of commissions. So a good thing would be to uh, see that, you know, these just work and you're not forced to, uh, you know, transact through these uh, platforms so yeah that's my and also rbi is a responsive uh, regulator i mean right. it might be slow but nonetheless it's still a responsive regulator and we do hope that it puts an end to this recurring payments nightmare in the near future uh thanks once again and thanks to our listeners for giving thanks everyone if you liked our show don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the ivm network you can tune into them on the IVM Podcast app, ivmpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy, and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at takshashilainst or our website takshashila.org.in.